I didn't feel fantastic enough. I didn't feel enough love there. I mean, I feel like this is Awesome. So I'm assuming that everybody has a decent understanding of who this gentleman is. I'm just some guy from Ardbeg. But in case you are ill-informed or live under a rock, this is the iconic and incredibly talented Mr. Ronald Wimberly. My name is Cameron George. I'm National Ambassador and Educator on behalf of Art Bay. Um, so I'm super excited to get to have this conversation with you. We've been chopping it up now for about, geez, it feels like an hour and a half, two hours or so. You're just the coolest man in the world. So incredibly easy to talk to. And so I've just been diving into the depths of his mind, spirit, and soul in the green room back there. So um, I'm super excited to get to ask you a few questions. but. How's, uh, how's travel getting out here? You're in New York based, correct? Ooh, yeah, it was a crazy trip. Actually, I was on the tarmac for three hours. Oh, oh, all yeah. day, all yeah. day. But it's like, increasingly, each as the time goes by, I'm like, I'm not gonna get off, because I'm invested. It's, it's a, it, I think it's the gambler's fallacy, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah I'm not gonna go with you. But yeah, but I made it, and it's, you know, it's great to be out here. Like, I haven't been here for a few years now because of the pandemic, so. Yeah, it's great to be back in LA. Awesome, fantastic. I know I'm super excited to be back here in LA. I don't get out this way very often. I'm from Seattle, Washington, so it's kind of interesting. You've got two folks from two very different places, um, but I'm super, again, just very excited to talk to you as well. So in the sense of getting to understand some of the work that is Planet Ardbeg, is everybody familiar with the Ardbeg distillery, first and foremost? Because if you're not, you're in the wrong room. <laughs> or the right room, because yeah, you're right familiar. Room. Exactly, right? Doing my job, right? Taking my job from So, um, our big distillery is a small distillery off the southwest coast of Scotland. Uh, it's located on a small island called Isla. It is one of the most beautiful and iconic places on the planet. I'm wondering, Ronald, would you mind telling us a little bit about your trip out to our bank? Because you had just from what it seemed like the most incredible experience of all time out there. So in your words, we'd love to hear a little bit about your experience at the distillery. Yeah, so I, you know, so uh, since I started drinking scotch, probably I love uh, whiskey, scotch whiskeys were the ones that I kind of gravitated towards. So like I had always been, you know, I had been thinking about this place, you know, it, it held maybe a mythical position for me. Um, for a long time, and I, you know, I hadn't really made my way out there. So, honestly, when given the opportunity, like that was a big draw for, for saying yes to the job. It was like, okay, yeah, I'm gonna finally make, and I'll have a reason to be out there. I'm gonna come out there like, you know, an, uh, an emissary, you know, yeah. like a mercenary. Exactly. <laughs> like, so I was like, yeah, I was really amped to go out there, and you know, it it couldn't have been. It could have been better. Like, I mean, the season, it wasn't like the spring season. It was a little chilly. It was a little overcast. We're coming in over the, the waves, you know, the choppy water. And it's just like, you know, coming in, you almost get a vibe of, like, what the flavor of the whiskey is like. You see the foam on the, on the sea. You know, you get the feelings like, yo, if it gets any crazier than this, like, we might be on this island for a little while, right? Like, you can, you can, you know, like, this... Sort of green blue, but it's you know it, it's it's pretty it's pretty amazing. And you, you get off the airplane, it's a small airport, and the tarmac like the the salinity is in the air. You know what I mean? Like so, it's like man, 
And then when you're out there, you're seeing like the the fields, which I had. So I'm a, I'm in the history and stuff. So like I, had, you know, um, before this job even came up, I was kind of interested in like what produces these flavors, like, and so thinking about kind of the the people who had cleared the land and like you know the the fogs and like kind of the grass going down, like becoming you know yeah. becoming the thing that would blend its flavor to this. That peak, that yeah, peak. Yeah, 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 that was one of the first, and Jackie took me out, one of the first places we went was to the, um, Fox. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, it was amazing. So it, in a weird sort of way, it reminded me of like a, um, like an Andy White painting, you know, like those colors, like yeah. that kind of sandy, kind of like what you got on right now, you know, like, yeah, I'm yeah. trying, I'm just, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm trying to, trying to do it over here. Yeah, yeah, the greens and they sent like these kind of tones, sort of tones, like, you know, one of the things you said about your trip over here from New York actually interested me. Uh, I have a few really good stories about visiting Isla. Uh, one of the reasons that Isla is so incredibly historical and important for whiskey production as a region is because of its proximity, right? Um, the, the genesis point for whiskey didn't start in Scotland. Scotland wasn't the first place to distill whiskey. It was actually Ireland. So. Isla is about 32 miles off of the northeast coast of Ireland, and about 18 miles off of the southwest coast of Scotland. So its proximity to both countries, even though it does belong to Scotland, makes it one of the first places in Scotland that whiskey would have been distilled. Ultimately, probably illegal and illegally and illicitly, yeah, for sure. But its history and the history of whiskey running through its veins is incredibly important. So when you're making it out onto this island, you only have two different ways to get out on the island. You can either fly or you can take the ferry. Um, and I've had some horrific experiences flying out there. Where I've been stuck on the tarmac in Edinburgh for hours, for hours. And your plane, your pilot will have two attempts at landing the plane on island. Once you finally get up into the air, it's about 45 minutes, which is holding on to probably your next door neighbor or your neighbor who's sitting next to you on the plane, holding on to their arm as the turbulence kind of grips you and shakes you. You come down out of the, out of the clouds and hopefully, uh, hopefully you come down out of the clouds and you're able to land the plane. The pilot generally will have two attempts at cutting through what's called a har or a very thick mist on the island. And, um, and if he's successful, or if they are successful, then you'll end up having a lot of really great specialists in that day. If he's unsuccessful, or if they're unsuccessful, you're turning around and you're going right back to Edinburgh, uh, back to Glasgow, actually, there's no Edinburgh flight anymore. Um, but getting out on the island can be quite traumatic, so I'm glad that we had good weather for, for your trip out here as well. All right, so while we wanted to talk just a little bit about Isla, what we're really here to talk about is the incredible work that Mr. Wimberley has done on the planet Art, on the planet Art Bay, and the graphic novel such comic that is, uh, that is Planet Art Bay. So we're all very appreciative of the work and the worlds that you have built to introduce single mall and to introduce Art Bay to an ever diversifying um, new onset of consumers. For a long time, Scotch whiskey has been plagued by only speaking to really one demographic, and I think that we all can, without saying it, understand who that may have been historically. Um, but through works like this, you know, it's an opportunity and an offering uh, to introduce new people into the conversation as well. And we've already kind of mentioned that. 
So our first question of the evening, a mere 15 minutes in, is how did the idea of developing a comic book series based on the three art day expressions come about, and how and who approached you about it? Well, let me, let me jump back into my memory. Um, I was first approached uh, by TCO, the Church of London, um, uh, to possibly, yeah, like to draw like one story out of I guess three. Um, and um, the idea at the time was something like a, an old DC comics, like creepy or something like that. And I thought it was a great idea, I thought it was interesting. But I was like, well, you know, comics is, comics isn't something that I engage in normally. It's only, you know, now I do it if I want to do it. Like, it's not, it's not really easy. Like, it could be uh, kind of a pain to work on it. So the thing, the, the situation wasn't exactly right. And I kind of gave a pitch and I said, like, well, Here's why I, here's what you might want to try to make this work a little bit better, but like, you know, I'm, I'm probably not the one for this. And then they came back and they were like, oh, well, actually, those ideas are great. What if, you know, what if you kind of wrote and kind of redid the whole thing with us? And I was like, okay, essentially, like, uh, creative direct the magazine. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, well, I can do that. Um, I, I put out another comics newspaper semi annually called Lab, yeah. which is, um, you know, it's a similar thing where I have lots of different other cartoonists, but, and it's it's got some, the last one has some sort of ad pastiche elements, which is similar you'll see in this uh, comic. So I thought it was right up my alley, and like, I love EC comics, like, um, uh, particularly one uh, cartoonist, Bernard Christine, who did some work in it. Um, so I was, I was game. Then, uh, we got some new direction that took us in a different, uh, a different lane, and I saw the similarities between that lane and uh, uh, an old comic magazine uh, anthology called Metower Lock, which is it made its way to the states in a form heavy metal. I don't know if any of you guys are familiar with that. Um, and I and I thought about like well there's some similarities to some of my favorite Metalmalon uh, work which would be Arzak which is you know kind of you know, got some similarities and uh, I that's how this kind of came together mm-hmm. in, in, in a weird sort of way it's a send up it's almost like a a send up to one of my favorite cartoonists of all time which is um, Jean Giraud Mobius that's awesome you know I think it's so funny as well. Um, the mention of you know that, that comic's first iteration coming in in almost like a, a heavy metal kind of form as well. Were you aware of Art Day to Art Core? Mm-hmm. Did you get to try that when you were out at the distillery earlier this year? Yeah, I don't know if I got. I may have got. I may have had. I had a lot of Art Day. Yeah, it speaks that speaks to my memory of it. But like, there are fond memories, but like you know, quite a few drams in the distillery. I don't, hardcore is not the punk one, is it? Yeah. Exactly. I actually, I specifically asked for the I tattoo out to I should have known. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, 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 yeah, yeah. It speaks my language, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, no pun intended. Uh, yeah, so, I guess that's post-punk, though. 
But anyway, yeah, I loved it. I thought it was great. And I love the packaging, but it's a little simple on it. Yeah, so great. Again, you know, speaks to the, the, the power of great marketing. Yeah, yeah. So, right. Uh, well, it's a story too, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Right, and that's. That, I think, is one of the, the more interesting things and something that we've been talking about just a little bit as well is, you know, some of the points of inspiration um, coming from, like, liquid-led inspiration. What were some of the, the flavor profiles and some of the ideas that you took from each of the expressions to populate into, you know, into the work as well? Um, if you're unfamiliar, the, the work does um, uh, revolve uh, around one central theme and one, one central character, I should, I should say, but then um, also has um, cameos, I would say, that represent some of the flavors that you'll find in Ardbeg 10-year-old, Ardbeg BC, and Ardbeg Anno, the three whiskeys that make up kind of the, the core range, within the core range at Ardbeg. Um, so yeah, what were some of the inspirations that came from like flavor led um, of the liquid as well? Yeah, so I guess then, uh, how I how I kind of got to that point was immediately what I thought of um, whiskey in general, the liquid. I thought of this kind of being like a time machine, right? Or something like uh, it contains elements that are, and it's bringing those elements through time, you know, um, and so, you know, you have, obviously, Ardbeg, so it's like, heat is, you know, an outstanding characteristic, but there are also notes of, you know, like vanilla and chocolate, like, you'll see in some of the comics, you'll even see, like, some roast meats, you know, for the, for the, um, for the five, you know, uh, like, I have, uh, I'm, I'm thinking about the salinity, like the, the sea, the tar, you know, like there's a tar pit at one point, you know, um, and I wanted to kind of think about how the world brings brings those elements out, you know, um, and I mean, for me, it was thinking about how each particular, like how it can be populated, like the botanicals, how they can come out, but also like with the corn crate getting, um, you know, running through and this, you know, and did this element of a, of a creature that is on Isla running through and bringing these elements with it, like the, the egg that turns out to be the alligator, and, you know, the, 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 the cooking of that meat, like, and you see how that, that whole plate is dressed with different elements that have the flavor uh, yeah. from the liquid. You know? Yeah. you know, I feel like, first off, I'm feeling an immense amount of job insecurity. Because I feel like you're going to take my job. Because you know the whiskeys so incredibly well that you were able to seamlessly incorporate them into just such beautiful works as well. Were you already familiar with the whiskeys from the distillery? I mean, because you were a whiskey fan already. So were you familiar with Ardbeg and, and Isla already? Yeah. Well, yeah, no, like, I was drinking Ardbeg before... Um, <coughs> Um, and yeah, like I, you know, I was familiar, like my favorite bottle was the Corey Breckman. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, and, you know, I have a relationship with, like, you know, I have some, I have some bartender friends, like we'd be out, like we would drink. And so I think some of the same ways of thinking about materials, uh, that you, you, you maybe have from working as an artist that same approach, you know, like you, you have a way of 
seeing and experiencing things. Like we're doing similar things. So I think some of the ways of seeing or tasting or uh, sensing you've cultivated, we've both cultivated, you know, so I think, I don't want your job, I think it's a great job, you know, um, but I'm, I'm happy with what I'm doing. <laughs> but it's work though too, and I take, you know, I take what I do seriously as you, you. Yeah, very much so, very much so. So the central theme, um, and the central character is the quantum facility. Would you mind telling us a little bit more about how you ideated and created this character and, and what their experience throughout the comic kind of really is supposed to make you, mm. I guess, think about and internalize? Mm. Yeah. I was thinking about, like, one of the original prompts, or like one of the reasons why I almost was like, mm, I don't know, this is kind of a touchy. I was like, okay, so this character is is referencing, or it's kind of like a uh, response, you know, call and response to uh, Mobius's airtight garage, and like the character in the airtight garage, <clears throat> pit helmet, kind of colonial looking, you know, and I, I wanted to think about well. The complexity of the liquid and kind of like the complexity of the, of history and like tasting that and like the uh, quantum distiller is someone who's going through time and like it almost like an anti-hero right kind of um bringing some chaos with her but also um experiencing i i, I don't know i was thinking about the bittersweet history of people meeting through time and through space, the destruction and also the beauty that comes from it and how complex that is. And I wanted to think about uh, how this quantum distiller might uh, move through these different environments. Um, it's a little bit extractive at times, but uh, also the, the, um, the beauty that somehow also comes from that. It's a complicated, it's more complicated than maybe <laughs> it appears on the surface. I don't want to tell you what to think about it, but like these were the things that I was thinking about. And I, it's it's in how the character looks, it's in how she's moving through the space, it's like how she's coming in contact with these other people. Um, and I wanted to capture that and how, how time uh, accumulates and how it can be literally distilled yeah. in the liquid. You know, I think there's something to that as well, the way that, you know, you get to you spark an interesting conversation there about the quantum distiller not necessarily just visiting these worlds and having these experiences thrust upon her, but also bring some chaos to them as well. Yeah. I mean, it, it almost seamlessly ties into, like, the, the idea that's on our next prompt here, which is, you know, your exploration of, like, multiversal travel and space-time continuum, mm -hmm. right? Where you, you would assume that those things would be inflicted upon you and that you wouldn't necessarily see the ripples of your actions um, manifest themselves in, in, a, in a way, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering, is is multiversal travel and space-time continuum work, is that a, a constant and something that you love to embed and something you really love and enjoy exploring? I think for me it's maybe, I don't know, could or could be, but I think what what is most interesting to me in that regard is like subjectivity. So um, using these different perspectives and points of view to get maybe or to 
um, think about a critic, different critical perspectives on things. You know, like um, uh, maybe less. Um, oh, well, what is it like in this other world? And like, oh, how we, you know, like, how did this? And more kind of like, well, within our world, and even if we were to take our world and say it's an ultra world, like how, what are the different perspectives? And how, how is that informing a way of thinking about our own world and different perspectives within our own world? So like say, if earlier today, maybe this is a little side. So one of my favorite uh, I used to say multiverses okay. is like there's a director um, Wong Kar Wai he did like three or four films and you're almost they're all in Hong Kong but and some of the characters repeat and you're not sure if they're the same character but they, they have some similar experiences but what you get is a dimensionality around the world itself based on the subjectivity of these different characters. And that's what I'm most interested in. And that's why, you know, um, we see the quantum distiller going through these different environments and we see different reactions and relations to this, you know, kind of pit-helmeted, you know, uh, character throughout time. I love that. And, you know, I think what's going to be very interesting for all of you in the room this evening as well is that the way that now you're also going to get to not only see and read about some of these different experiences, but then also experience some of yourselves as you go through each of these kind of three different worlds that they've built and the experiences that you'll see this evening as well. So, oh, oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Something that's really unique about, I guess, kind of having, so these three bottles are, you know, separately, they're their own thing. I think what's interesting is, you know, speaking about like a multiverse, having them next to each other creates its own sort of, like you can start to relate, like how is this one different than that one? And like that type of subjectivity is kind of like what I'm most interested in, in terms of being like a multiverse. Absolutely, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. You know, I, I oftentimes say that, you know, the DNA and the thumbprint of the distillery at Ardbeg does not change, right? But the the way that we experience in the vantage point that we're looking at the at that DNA and thumbprint through that ch that changes and it changes based on the different whiskey that we're that we're talking about. So from our big ten year old, as you go through this experience this evening, this is kind of our thumbprint and our day to day. This is the whiskey that we make. This is who we are as Elix. This is who we are as the Ardbeg Distillery. And you could even say that this might even be viewed as like the tapestry, the tapestry that is Art Bay. Art Bay, we see and Anno, those two whiskeys pull at one individualized thread from that tapestry and pull it and run as far as they can in, the, in a different direction. But as soon as you turn around and you look at that tapestry, you're still looking at Art Bay. Your vantage point has just changed a little bit. And so I'm, I'm loving that you found that as an interesting point of exploration that you brought to the work as well. Right? Um, so at the beginning of the, uh, the creative process for Penny Arjay, what were some of the key ideas that you felt needed to be included in the graphic, uh, in the graphic novel, in addition to, um, you know, objectivity? Mm. Um, the time, the time aspect, the materiality of it, you know, like, um, I don't know, I'm, I'm really into, uh, whiskey as like 
you know, you're, you're tasting time, you're tasting history. So that aspect was like a, a big part. Um, and the specifics around that would be like the the notes, flavors, like the you know, um, even if you know, like the colors. Yeah. Um, thinking about how I could uh, reference the visual uh, experience um, in the work as well, you know, um, and also just communicating with, you know, thinking about the form of the magazine, like wanting to have the ads in there, right, like to, to give a vibe, like when we were talking, I was like, well, let's imagine that this Planet Artbeg comic is on the shelves next to uh, like a creepy DC Comics, like the Calvalon, uh, you know, these, these old, these old, uh, like these old sort of 70s comics magazines that were kind of, you know, a little adult but weird, strange. Yeah. yeah, I love that. So, you know, one of the, my favorite, one of my favorite, um, I would even say like the adverts that, you, that you've embedded into it. Um, was the, the advert for DJ Bar- uh, for DJ Barbecues and the barbecue, the barbecue sauce. Did you get to meet DJ Barbecue? No, 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 the great thing, okay, so one of the things about, you know, rushing through this, like, you know, pushing, you know, like everyone doing their, their job. Like, I'm drawing the comic, like, I'm coloring, like, I'm trying to talk to the other artists, manage, like, pull their stories together and make things work. And TCO just kind of went ham and just, like, they went in on the ads, and what was great about that is, like, I'm experiencing that in the same way that y'all are, you know, like, so I got, you know, when we started out, it was essentially like, okay, so here's the pagination, like, here's how the book will work, like, we're gonna have this story, this story, like, I'll say this, and like, you know, and this is how we'll go through the book, but like, here's where you can put the ads, right? So then, like, what, months later, like, I'm drawing the comics, like, you know, I'm breaking down things, I'm doing stuff, it's, you know, like, to work things out, working with the artists, and then I come back in the end, and, like, they've already put together the ads, and I'm like, yeah. wow, this is hilarious. And it, in my newspaper, it's similar, you know, the designers that I, I worked with on that, like, they, you know, um, they also kind of really just bring it. So it's, I get to, I get to experience it firsthand as you know an audience like y'all so like I didn't meet DJ Barbecue you know what I mean like I, I would like to one day you know I'm sure they got like, maniac yeah. love them maniac yeah, yeah. okay absolutely right. love them though alright um, so you know you also mentioned that there were a couple of other artists uh, that, that you were managing and working on the story with as well Miss um, Rios and then, and then Mr. Green I'm wondering if you might tell us a little bit about them and the experience of working together collaboratively because oftentimes people forget that you know especially graphic art and graphic art and, and um, and graphic novels that oftentimes there will be a writer's room of, of such and then also like an illustrator's room of sorts as well. So what was it like working with them and, and who are they? That's why it's like inside ball. Right? Yeah. The comics is a, it's a small world. Um, I, you know, like, yeah, I, I know both of them from the, just being out there, like seeing them in the circuit. Uh, Sanford Green is like a vet, you know, like he's, he's doing work at Image, like, you know, he's, you know, work, he's even moved into like the TV space too, like, so he's, you know, he's a, he's a vet, Emma Rios as well, like, I think, yeah, we're all, we all work with Image, I guess that's like how our words kind of cross. Um, 
Yeah, so, and they're kind of different types of artists as well. Like, Emma Rio, she's an illustrator, but she's also done some writing, but she does her own stories. So, you know, like, the way I, I worked with Emma was a little different from Sanford. Like, Sanford, is a, he's an illustrator, like, he's a storyteller. You do storytelling through drawing as well, but, like, not, you know, hadn't done much writing. So, like, um, kind of, Emma, you know, she came in with, like, a really big story, like, you know, uh, and I kind of worked as an editor with her, where with Sanford, um, I kind of just like, I go on my schedule, I, I write with drawing, so like I just kind of wrote, you know, like, uh, I did kind of breakdowns, and then like, gave that to Sanford, and Sanford put, you know, like, he put his spin on it, he put his like, you know, sauce on it, and then like, yeah. came back, and like, um, that was, even a quicker uh, way of working than with Emma because like Emma was kind of like uh, she had so much that we kind of like clipping you know like kind of creating you know to bring it down to like a manageable <laughs> she created a whole world you know like an epic yeah, yeah. Her, her artwork was was incredible I had a very I, well, one of the things I really loved was there is like a, a textual feel and difference to the way that each of the stories manifest themselves on the page, and then also the story of them as well. So very quickly for everybody, I'm wondering if you might mind telling us a little bit about the titles, where they came from, and then like just a short synopsis of each of the three works in the comic. Mm. All right. Okay, so you have a framing story. Um, the framing story is uh, the, the story of the quantum distiller. Um, and what I wanted to do was to have the quantum distiller kind of like read through each. And I wanted to help me out, like give me, we'll start from beginning to end, like uh, prompt me and I'll, and I'll tell you. So like we start out uh, with the quantum distiller is uh, coming out of her uh, house on, on a, a rocky, kind of modeled after a famous lighthouse yeah. in, um, in Iowa. The audience is giving me a prompt. Okay. Freeze. Yeah, well, you'll see when you read, like, it, it, it you know, it's in, it's in there. She comes out, she goes into one booth, and then you'll see she has a stowaway, right? And that stowaway sort of manifests in different ways, shapes, and forms throughout her journey. The first one is, the first one is Sanford's? And it kind of, uh, it, it, it personifies uh, the, um, the, what's the name of the wind? Oh, um, so on uh, down on the same sands, or no, 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 no. the Molavo, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. up uh, there on the mole. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah, it's a wind that protects the. Yeah, so up on up on the O, it's an incredibly, incredibly blustery point on on Isla. There have been over uh, twenty six shipwrecks um, there since about eight since about eighteen fifteen. Um, I'm struggling to remember the name of the actual of the actual wind, but the O, one of the benefits of its placement 
is that it kind of softens and rounds off um, a lot of these very turbulent winds that would batter the southwestern side of the island, making it almost impossible for there to be distilling or really any sort of inhabitable life there. Um, but yeah, to your point. Yeah. So yeah, and I wanted to do three different genres. So I did one that was like a Super Sentai, and that's the first one, that's Sanford. Um, from there, you know, like, and it's personified as a giant robot. Yeah. That protects the city. From the corn crate, which is, you know, the stove. From there, we go to, um, I believe it was just mine, <laughs> which is like the wee, the wee BC. Um, and uh, in this story, the corn crate is also, it's like a T-Rex size, a little smaller. And we follow these uh, these gleaners as they're getting different herbs and botanicals to kind of to make the to, to make a uh, almost like an izakaya, like to make their little their meals and dinners in, yeah. the, in the city. And that one is more of a it's it's more of a uh, the genre of what you would find in a Matau Halan. It's it's uh, something like an Arzak comic. Um, and that's the quantum distiller finds her way to that. She's at the Isakaya. She's tasting the things that kind of uh, are the same notes as like the, uh, the BBC. From there, uh, not to spoil it for you, we go into uh, the the singing sands, um, and this is more about sort of like a. It's it's almost like a a western. But a bit of also like a, a jinn story, yeah. and like not jinn as in a spirit, but like jinn as in a spirit of the desert, right? exactly. made yeah. of fire or wind, you know. Um, and and in this case, it's literally uh, uh, maybe made of whiskey, <laughs> right? Yeah. So um, and then we kind of wrap up in the end of the stiller. She finds herself, you know, buried in the sand. She she wakes up and then she goes into this uh, tobu. Quantum toll group that takes it throughout all these different places. I I wrote and I drew the comic so that I wouldn't have to describe it. <laughs> <laughs> my bad. That's my But that did lead us perfectly to our, one of our one of our last questions here as well. Uh, it set us up beautifully. So in comparison to previous projects you've worked on, such as Lab, what are some of the different approaches that you've taken in creating the best laid scene story of our day, which is that second story that you did singularly? Yeah. Well, it was, you know, maybe this is inside ball too, but like, um, I went back and I read, I read some of what Mobius was doing, and um, for Sanford's story too, uh, I kind of was reading about his process and kind of just making a, it's a gag cartoon, you know. So it's like it's a misdirection kind of like you go in one direction and then you you know you, you kind of switch and that is unusual for me because like I don't normally have to solve that type of I guess I, I did something like that for lab kind of one story but it was interesting it was it was a it was a unique problem this job in general was unique in that sense because like um, uh, there were other priorities besides just kind of telling a story. Yeah. Um, and that was interesting, like kind of trying to hit those marks. Yeah. Like, 
uh, bringing those, bringing the elements of the whiskey as story elements in, you know, um, I would say that was, that's what would be different than, say, mostly what I do on lab, which is, you know, I have a theme, but, like, I make up the theme. I'm the editor of the newspaper, too, so, like, you know. Yeah, so it's almost like, you know, having... Uh, you know, a, a co-writer essentially, it's not writing anything, right? they're just dictating, you know, what some of the elements that they would like to see manifested in the work. Yeah, yeah it's a constraint, right? Yeah. Like, so, for think, which is something I do in a lot of my work. It's yeah. uh, like in the poetry sense, right? Mm-hmm. Like a constraint, like, okay, well, the constraint is the whiskey, right? These are the elements that we're coming back to, and it's informing, yeah. constraining what I saw. So it's like, it's a poem, it's like, okay, I'm gonna rhyme every other, you know, the A, B, A, B, C, C, stuff like that. Well, for this, it's like, okay, it's vanilla, it's like, uh, uh, star anise, it's yeah. like, you know, like, uh, you know, like these elements, these colors, like this green, mm-hmm. you know, um, Mm-hmm. You know, we one of the things we were chatting about as well is about your introduction into like into manga and comics, right? Um, and that coming a little bit, you said you felt like you got into the game a little bit later than everybody. You know, so I'm wondering, I'm wondering about if you can tell us a little bit about your arc as somebody who was interested in comics and manga, and then now somebody like who creates these works as well. How has that changed for you over the last, what, 30, 30 years or so? Wow. So this is, a, this, is a, this is a press thing, mostly. How many of y'all are like really into comics? Like how many, yeah? All right, so there's some overlap. I figured we had yeah. I figured we had Okay, yeah. All right, yeah, yeah, so um, I kinda, I got into comics my buddy was really into superheroes, and his mom would, you know, like, yeah, like a good family. So, like, she would, t- she would take us to the comic book store out in, I think it maybe, I don't know, maybe it was Silver Spring, Maryland. And I was in the manga. I had, you know, I, I guess I got in the manga because of anime. Um, and this is a long time ago. So when I say anime, I'm talking about, like, Macross, Do You Remember Love? And, like, maybe the first... Vampire Hunter P, you know, like Akira, like all this, you know, kind of classics. But, um, and when I went to the comic book store, that's what I was looking for. So I picked up books like, I don't know, probably, this is out of print, so I don't know if you read this, but Domu, which is like, uh, Osmo did uh, Akira, he has another one, Domu, it's crazy, great story. And I got into that, and then I kind of, I would read some comics here and there, but like I didn't go deep until I got to college. And I was thinking about, well, I like to do illustration. It was kind of like the end of magazines. You know, like magazines were kind of just dying at that point. Newsstands were dying. Um, I don't want to do, no offense to anyone who does this work, I didn't want to do like editorial in magazines. Um, so I was like, oh, I was like, oh, I can make money drawing comics, right? Which, was kind of good, right? But I managed, right? Like I, you know, by hook or by crook, I managed to make a, a living off of it. Um, and uh, yeah, that's around that time. Maybe like a junior in college, I found, I found like uh, Ripple. I found um, a lot of indie comics, like weird gross, like, type of comics that you, you know, like, they put them in the back, you know, like, um, things like THB, 
um, you know, like the, we were, it was like right after an indie explosion. Um, I don't know if I've answered your question, but like that's kind of, it brought me back into, um, and that's how I kind of formed my whole way of thinking. That's when I found Mobius, Drie, uh, um, Jack Tardy, like a lot of Bond designated, like French cartoonists, you know, really caught me. And American indie cartoonists really captured me uh, at that moment. Yeah. You know. I love that. You know, so we got a, you know, a, a, an interesting question as one of our closing questions here. Um, so before we bring this to a close, it, are there any insights from Planet Art Bay that you, as the, the creative mind behind the project, want us to internalize and be able to reflect on and walk away with? I'm gonna answer this question. <laughs> maybe you're not. Maybe you're not gonna like it, but um, I think. I think I would be robbing the audience of the experience to kind of like dictate how you are to see anything. And I think just like the whiskey, it's like, you know, we're going to talk about all the notes and all that. You can read the cards, but like maybe the best way, the whiskey or the comic, you know, like the difference is your eyes maybe being open. Maybe when you drink the whiskey, close your eyes and like, what do you taste? You know, like, where is this taking you? Like, what, you know, what is your unique experience with that? And I would say with the comic too, it's like, what are you picking up? You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to, I want to tell you nothing. I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. Well, with that, then I feel like we should cheers hey. with a little bit of whiskey. It's about time. We're <laughs> talking about it the whole time. Yeah. I love it. So we got a little bit of Art Day 10 year old for both of us here. Right. Cheers, or as we say on the Isla, Slanjava, which means to your health. Cheers. Slanjava, thank you for coming out this evening. All right, I hope you guys all enjoyed the panel from Cam and Ronald. Now we're going to get a little behind the scenes, uh, and hopefully we'll have them on later to talk more in depth. But there were a, a couple things, maybe three things, that really spoke to me that you guys talked about. We'll start with the history and the nostalgia. There's so much history. You talk about whiskeys and they've been aged and it's reaching back through time to bring those flavors to the present. So much of comics is nostalgia, mm. reaching back into time. Mm. Uh, so that's an intersection. Can you talk a little bit about that? Hmm. I don't know. I almost feel like nostalgia is a dirty word for me, right? But it's interesting that you bring it up. Um, so nostalgia, we would talk about maybe... Is it a, a longing or a discomfort that comes from something that was in the past that is no longer there, right? Where I think with the whiskey, I don't know if it's a longing as much as it's like, it is a time machine, like you're going back into it. And I know in terms of like my work, I would hope that what I was doing, I'm not really nostalgic for Airtight Garage, right? But I hope to be having a dialogue and a conversation with, like, the work that Mobius did. You know, like, I, you know, almost like copying a master. Like, if you go into the museum and, like, you do a, you know, a charcoal sketch of David, like, are you nostalgic or are you, like, kind of having a conversation with this work, you know, and kind of, like, moving forward and maybe taking a piece of 
you know, Da Vinci with you as you go on and do something else. So, I mean, I guess that's how I would think of it. And in, and in a very real way, like you in, imbibe, you take in the whiskey, right? Like, so um, you're creating new memories as you, as you drink it, like, you know, and at the same time, you are tasting the work and the labor and the history and the soil of like the people who made the whiskey, like the people who, I don't know how many hundreds of years ago, cleared the forest and put the grass down that created the peat that they smoked that you know like so oh yeah I, I don't want to yeah. get this on I mean you never want to repeat yourself but I hear this so often from comic creators you're standing on the shoulders of giants you know you're paying homage to the past but you're still evolving creating something new because anytime you create something in that certain period of time it's going to be influenced by mm. by the moment it's released yeah. as opposed to uh, nobody's ever going to you know recreate the Pieta mm. or or uh, paint the ceiling of, uh, of a chapel and recreate the scene. It's never going to be the same because as culture, we're not the same. We're not there. Yeah. Right? So it speaks to uh, another thing I wanted to mention, which is subjectivity. Right? Anytime somebody tastes a, a whiskey, everybody has a different palate. They're going to taste different notes, different flavors. It's the same thing with comics, you know? The creator obviously has their own personality and their own way they're relating to it and what they're bringing to it from their own life experiences. But then, in a way, they're connecting to the reader and what the reader is bringing to it, right? Yeah. yeah. And so, that's got to be something that's really interesting for you with this intersection that is something so different that you isn't obvious with whiskey and comics. I don't taste the whiskey the same way you will. Mm, no, no. I mean, I don't maybe taste it the same way now that I've had those french fries. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> the pH changes. Like, everything's changing. You know, like... Um, I mean, it's it's famous in wine, right? Like, depending on what you've had or, like, what your palate is like, how thirsty you are, like, how you relate to drinking the whiskey. Like, for me, it's like, um, it's even thinking about what whiskey I have first. You know, like, um, sometimes when I, when I have, like, a, you know, like... It's like having a Negroni first drink. It's like, it's hard to, it's hard to, like, once you have Arbeg, it's like, where do you go from Arbeg? You know what I mean? Like, you know, like, it's, it's got, it's distinct. It's like, it's power. It's like, you know, so, I don't know. Yeah, no, you're right. I don't know how I would speak to that. Yeah. Well, what about in terms of, if we start talking about nuance, right? We talked a little bit about flavors and, and what's underneath. There's so much subconscious in comics hmm. that you sometimes might not be aware of, but again, it, it could be one of your fans, one of your readers reaches out and says, hey, is this was this your intent when you were telling that story? Something you may not have even thought of, but yet it's something they little, pulled out of. It might have been subconscious yeah. for you. Right. I mean, again, we're talking about those undercurrents of... Yeah, of flavor. Yeah, you're talking like some Frederick Jameson type of thing, like right. uh, unconscious. Uh, yeah, certainly. I mean, I don't think there's, you know, people can spend as much time trying to guess what my intent is as they want. I don't know how important it is. <laughs> like, you know, just, you know, like, um, I think, yeah, the time when you start to guess or try to question what an artist's intent is, is when it's like agitprop, right? But if it's, if it's art, or when it when it is functioning in a political way that's maybe you know dangerous, but I don't know. That's a whole other conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. I, I hope. I I want to get. If you've known me long enough, you probably know what my political coordinates are. 
Uh, I certainly spend a lot of time thinking about how I may avoid doing things unintentionally. Uh, but at the end of the day, I would say, like, I'm not superstitious about a lot of things or, like, woo-woo, but... I can't call it like what art does sometimes is a complete surprise to me you know to this day it's pretty fantastic you know well it goes back to that thing we're talking about of being subjective and everybody's going to bring their own prejudices right or wrong you know their own subjectivity to it but but for me and you know maybe you agree maybe you don't art is about evoking a reaction evoking emotion right and when we talk about drinking Ardbeg, sitting back, roaring fire. It's about emotion. It's about the reaction. It's about the experience. And I think it's the same way with your work, right? I mean, good or bad, aren't you looking to create art and create emotion and have a, a reaction? It's more about not necessarily breaking it down cerebrally, but more about what does it make you feel? What is drinking... You know, we beastie make you feel. What does it remind you of? What, you know, set aside the brain, shut the brain off for a moment, and talk about how it makes you feel. Mm. Yeah, with <laughs> it's a funny. I feel like it, I don't know. Maybe I'm gonna tell on myself. <laughs> but like, uh, what is it like? Art is what you can get away with. Like for me, I feel yeah. Certainly, maybe that's what I. Maybe that's what I might say from time to time. I don't know what... Like, in a historical sense, I know what art does, right? But for me, it's really... Okay, so... Ardbeg reaches out to me to do a comic. I like to drink Ardbeg. I've never been to Isla before. For me, what the art became about was going to Isla, drinking the whiskey, drinking the beer, right? Like, meeting the people there, you know, meeting, you know, everyone else involved here, you know, Cam, you know, like, every, you know, you, like, um, and producing the work. Like, the problem, like, what is the problem? Well, how do you incorporate all of that into this and yes, I need to be cognizant of like, how can I get away with doing this? How do I please the client? Like, how do I, you know, you know, thread these needles to do this well enough that I can continue to ask these questions with the work? To me, it's like, I want to ask, like the central experience is the production of the work. Like, once I'm done with it, for better or worse, like, whatever anyone else does with it is like, it's their concern, right? Right. Um, I don't want to destroy the planet, you know, um, I don't want to recapitulate sort of the poison that maybe I've taken in by walking through this world, like that could be violent or dehumanizing at times, so there's some work in doing that and like being careful about, like, pardon my French, but like, yeah, you have to be careful where in the woods where you shit, right? Because right. like it could be, it could be toxic, it could be problem. What I'm, I'm producing in its own sort of way is a type of waste of a, of a process of an artistic process and I have to be careful what I put out there but also I'm mainly involved in the act right yeah, yeah I mean again you can't control what somebody else brings to it and I think there's there's worth in the fictions that we create whether it's based on emotion that's evoked by a whiskey or it's emotion that's evoked by the shoulders of the giants you're standing on but I've always believed that you can tell a lot about the worth of a culture by what's important to them by the fictions and the fantasy they create what do you have to say about that? 
Um, I think you've just indicted a lot of cultures. <laughs> Not intentionally, but I think there's truth in that. Like, if I'm making up a story, like, what is important to me? What is the bedtime story I tell my mm. my child? Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well. You said it, not me. <laughs> I think that's the importance of critics, right? Right? Yeah. Well, if I wear that hat sometimes, but like, it's hard to wear them both at the same time. Oh, it 100% is, yeah. especially when you've been doing it as long as you, mm. you and I have. Mm. But if there's, uh, if there's one thing that you have to take from this project that you would want people to know, mm. could, you, could you distill it down to, to a thought, to a sentence? It would probably be about the practice or the work. I would think, and it's maybe it sounds kind of general, but when in this moment, I think where it's like brands and you know people are thinking about story and how they can attach story to their uh, their products. You know, particularly with whiskey, like it already has a story, right? Um, I think what really works is when we approach each thing with the same type of care and seriousness as, you know, like the whiskey, as with the whiskey, as with comics. Like, you know, um, the amount of information that goes into any of these art practices, I think when they respect each other and they give each other the space to like realize themselves is like when something good comes from it, you know? Um, I think that's what, and that has to do more with like what I learned from my practice in doing this work, you know, like how, how, what beautiful things came from it and the beauty that came from it and like maybe the, um, the things that I got came from like, yeah, working with creatives who are and giving the space and respecting um, the 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 work, you know, whether it be whiskey or you know, cartooning. Yeah, well, and that's a good point that you make. It's it's easy to think about cartooning or creating comics as making art. I think far fewer people realize that making whiskey is an art. Mm. There's no science. A plus B plus C equals this exact flavor. Mm. It's definitely an art. There's a lot of nuance to it. And I think that's, uh, again, a great idea for an intersection between art bag and, and comics. And hopefully it continues. Mm. Yeah, I hope so, too. Yeah. So thank you so much for your time, oh, Ronald. You. And hopefully you and Cam will be on again uh, yeah, yeah. on the show soon. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.